Warning! This episode contains foul language, disturbing content, and answers a question that we have had for years! For all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. This week is part two of our obsession sessions. Obsession. With our good friend George. In case this is your first episode, if so, what are you doing? My name is Ashley, and I am joined today, as usual, by my co host Lauren. Uh, last week, we talked about the precursor to obsessive serial killing, stalking. We shared some really awful stalking stories and some personal stalking stories. We shared some studies on OCD and some findings connecting obsessive thoughts to serial killers. And we learned about the happy face killer who was obsessed with sending letters into the police. This week, we are continuing our discussion by turning the lens onto ourselves, investigating the science behind why we, as normal everyday humans, have the obsessions with serial killers, gore, and the macabre, and we learn about the scorecard killer who murdered what could be upwards of 50 boys and men in the 70s and 80s in California! Very close to where we are right now currently. Make sure you tune in next week where we will sit down with very special guest, comedian Justin Foster, whose debut comedy album Dangerless is now on iTunes, and he also hosts the hilarious podcast Foster the Podcast, which you can also find on iTunes. So check him out and join us for another Hometown Haunts episode where we take a trip through the weirdest corners of Texas, and I promise that I'm not going to do that horrible dialect the whole time. Um, before we get to the episode, please enjoy this promo for a good friend of the podcast, the Sci-Fi Double Feature Drive-In Podcast. Um, enjoy the show, and as per usual, keep it weird. <laughs> We're happy to have you with us this evening and want you to enjoy every minute of your stay here. Listen to me. Please listen. If you don't, if you won't, if you fail to understand, then the same incredible terror that's menacing me will strike at you! Are you ready to enter this sci-fi double feature drive-in? On every first and third Thursday of the month, your host, the conspiracy-loving Elisa, and yours truly, Jarrett the Kaiju Man Waglin, pick a very radioactive, a very out-of-this-world double feature, and discuss two movies featuring giant monsters, little monsters, genetic abominations, robots gonna awry, aliens attack attacking Earth, and everything in between. Then join us in the underground on every second and fourth Thursday as we look to shed some light on the unknown of this world and worlds beyond with our series, The Drive-In Underground. Classified case files are presented featuring UFOs, cryptids, and everything unknown. So join us and don't forget to stop by our snack bar first. Obsession. 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 We got it. We did oh, it. Guys. We did it, guys. Good job. That was great. Ooh. Perfect. Feeling good. Episode over. Up. Yeah, go home. Yeah, bye. Thank it's you for listening. That's Keep it. Bye. Just kidding. We have. We have another more. killer. We have more killers. Blanca's. Another. Never a shortage. Story. So I'm talking about Randy Stephen Kraft today. He was known as the scorecard killer oh. or also the Southern California Strangler. So right here from a uh, home like yeah, Southern California home had a couple stranglers, yeah, right? A couple. There was a hillside strangler yeah. and there was also a freeway killer who I will talk about in this story because people think oh, that Randy Kraft was the freeway what killer, was but he was interesting. in fact not. What was the name of the first 
gentleman that you spoke of? The hillside strangler? The first gentleman, the earlier story. I don't... What story did I tell? You mentioned... (gasps) What? What? You spoke about a, a killer earlier. I did? Yeah, the actor. He killed the actress. Oh, yeah. Well, he tried to kill the actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The... Yeah, what, what is wrong name? with you two? How do you forget this? <laughs> I, well, you're giving me a look that is like that's like keen remember. To, yeah, like, that's like you remember. You remember. I'll tell you why because he had two first names and this gentleman oh. also oh. has two first names. Like, what are you getting? That's at? what I was getting at. But you didn't even remember the people you, know what's you interesting spoke about. Because about... I like to remember the victim's name and not the killer. <laughs> oh, Let's lift oh, those victims okay. up. All right. Um. No, his name was Arthur Richard Jackson. Yes, all Arthur three. that's what's interesting about a lot of uh serial killers and like mass murderers and assassins not assassins in like the cool way but like the (laughs) people who assassinate like presidents and stuff they have three three names there's Mm -hmm. like a weird conspiracy theory around that like lee harvey oswald and um uh what's the guy's name that murdered abe lincoln why can't i think of his name yeah he definitely had a three. Name. He had a three namer. And him and Kennedy have Wilkes tons Booth. of John Wilkes, John Wilkes Booth. Booth. Exactly. And Lincoln and Kennedy have so me. many like weird crossovers yes. with Oh, their, absolutely. Everything Very is crazy. Strange. Yep. Anyways. Okay, Randy Stephencraft, not Arthur hmm. Richard Jackson. Or hmm. John Wilkes Booth. Or John Wilkes Booth. Um, okay, scorecard killer, or also known as the Southern California Strangler, not the freeway killer. So Randy was born so close to us, which just comforts me so, in Long Beach, California, and was the youngest of four children. He was the only boy, three older sisters. His father was pretty distanced from him most of his life. They didn't have a great relationship, but he was very cared for by his mother and sisters. So his story is interesting, as we were talking about earlier with the abuse and the bad upbringing that almost always exists. He didn't really have that. There was the strange relationship with his dad, which I'm sure played into things that we'll talk about in a minute, but it was said that he was very cared for by his mother and sisters and was always loved. He was also very intelligent and never showed any violent issues like his whole childhood. He was just very smart, focused on his studies. The only thing people really noticed about him, his family and his friends and neighbors, is that people thought he was a homosexual. And they saw it at a pretty young age, just little things here and there that they thought he might be gay, but he'll come out to us in his own time. So whatever. But he graduated top of his high school class. Then he went off to college and studied economics and eventually became a member of the Air Force. He was Hmm. very involved in politics. um, Not the Navy? Not the Navy. He was very involved in politics. George got it. I got you. Why? (laughs) Oh, the Navy. Yes. (laughs) So he eventually joined the Air Force. He was very involved in politics and he really loved being in the Air Force. And he, um, yeah, he just really liked to be a part of fighting for his country, but also was very interested in who was representing our country. And just, yeah, he was in all of that. Very intelligent, again. So while away at training, he came out to his family and to his superiors in the Air Force as gay. He was a homosexual And in a letter to one of his good friends, he wrote that after coming out to his family, his mother took it very well, but sadly his father went into a rage and separated himself even more from Kraft and their relationship, I don't think, really existed after this. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, after coming out to his superiors, he was discharged. I was going to say yeah. they from were the okay Air Force, with that? and they shame. said it was for medical reasons. Yeah. I'm saying medical with was some air quotes, honorably or dishonorably. Honorably, discharged. but well, they said it was that. for med. I know they said it was for medical reasons, but Randy, of course, knew it was because he was gay, and he became very angry. Tried to find a lawyer that would help him with this case, but. Even though he did find representation, the Air Force said, there's no way we're going back on this. You're discharged, and this is our final answer. So he moved back home and began bartending at a local gay bar. And at this point, family and friends state that he did become very different at this point. He was clearly very angry and disturbed from being discharged. And this thing that he loved so much, he didn't have anymore, didn't know where he was going to work, didn't know what to do with his life from this point. So... 
he became very different. I can imagine different. being very lost. Yeah. Oh, just absolutely. Questioning lost. your existence. Totally. Just it's, in general. Right. Like, what? Who am I now? What yeah. do I do? So you can understand him at this point. Um, he was very angry and on a mission to find new and better employment. And he was also ready to explore his homosexuality further now that he was home and had the chance. Worked at this gay bar. Sadly, he took his sexual exploring a little too far. His first assault is believed to be in 1970 when he met a young 13-year-old boy in Huntington Beach who told him he was a runaway and he didn't want to go back to his parents. So Randy Kraft said, come back with me to my apartment and you can stay with me. He gave this young boy several drugs and sexually assaulted him. He kept him in his apartment against his will until the next day when Randy had to leave for work and the young man was able to escape and told a neighbor that he needed to go to a hospital originally or immediately, not originally. Um, He needed to be taken to the hospital to be treated and he needed to file a report against Randy Kraft. Due to the boy eventually admitting he did take the drugs voluntarily and the police searching Randy's apartment without a warrant, there were no charges filed. Wow. So he got away with it just because of... The Semantics. system. Yeah. yeah, the system sucks. I mean, it you does. think about um, Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, he actually had boys who escaped his apartment and were stopped by the police, and the police brought them back to him. Wow. What? Yeah. They brought they brought the, the kids yeah. who escaped back to him, and then he would, you know, cut off their heads and, oh and do horrible things to them. Fails wow. so many people. Were, yeah. Yeah. Awful. Anyways, oh go on. Um, so I'm not going to go into total detail because he, Cause he unfortunately horrific. killed yeah. so many people and assaulted so many people. So I'm not going to go case by case. Was but it all boys? All men and mostly gay men. So Randy's murders are believed to have began because this first one was just assault. But the murders are said to have begun in 1971 and they spanned all the way to 1983 when Randy was finally caught. He was caught because he was seen driving erratically on the highway and was pulled over for suspicion of drunk driving. Um, He got out of his car slowly when the police first pulled him over because he wanted to kind of beat them to coming up to his car. And the police said, please fall back. Don't come any closer. We're going to give you a sobriety test. He had to walk the line. He failed and he was arrested and put in the police car. As the officers finally approached Randy's car, though, to perform a search and see if there were any beer bottles, whatever, they saw a body slumped over in the passenger seat, wow. slightly oh, covered Jesus. by a jacket. So they thought it was just maybe someone passed out drunk. Right. There was there were beer bottles yeah, everywhere. There was a so drinking yeah, situation. So they're like, oh, this guy was drunk too. So they're like, sir, sir, wake up. They start shaking the man. The jacket kind of starts to slump down. They realize this person is dead. They're like blue, uh... cold. Like they have, were they they're gone. after the the hills or the not the hillside the the strangler freeway killer or, or were they after him at the time? I think this was after the hillside strangler, and this was during the freeway killer who also strangled and threw people on the side of highways. Okay, so these were all wow. around they, the same they, time. They had connected some of the murders to potentially be the same. Guy. Yes. Okay. They weren't sure for a long time, which I'm going to get a little bit to some of that. But um, so they find out that this person's dead and they come back to Randy and are like, hey, there's a dead person in your car. You're not just arrested for drunk driving anymore. And as they start to question him, there's still people searching his car. They find even more in his trunk. They find a binder, a huge binder. They open it up and it is a scorecard. That's why he's called the scorecard killer listing every murder he's ever committed with people's initials and how he did it and their locations. And at first they don't understand what it is. They open it in confusion because it's all coded. It's all very neatly kept, which makes me think OCD. And it was in a three ring binder. Right. Everything was very neatly kept and in order by year, but it would be three letters, which they found out later was an initial, or sometimes it would just be a word that either described the location or, something and then it would say like in river or by marine base or blah 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 because they found a lot of bodies outside of marine bases when he wasn't killing gay men it was usually marines or someone in the military of sorts so it's showing his obsession with getting kicked out of the military and his obsession with his sexuality and it being 
not accepted by his father brings me back to it. It's yeah. like yeah, all these things that he feels pain towards he's taking out on these Well, and other it almost people. seems like he, like you said, like there was no history of abuse really, no head injuries it seems like. Right. So it seemed, and he's very intelligent. Very smart. Very smart. He had some like heartbreak, but it mm-hmm. doesn't seem like- That's why he's an like, interesting Yeah, case. he's very interesting, but I'm wondering if- you know, the sexual assault was one thing. Um, there's a plenty of sexual assaults, unfortunately, every day that aren't done by psychopaths. You mm-hmm. know, they're just bad people. But I, I wonder if the first murder was an accident mm-hmm. and he liked the feeling of power that he got from it, that he lost from losing his job in the military right. and from yeah. losing his relationship with his father like it was a way to like get that power back totally that absolutely could be it and then after that it just became it became what it was an obsession yeah they actually because of this scorecard were finally able to solve an unsolved murder that had happened back in 1971 it was a man who was a bartender at a popular gay bar called the stables and he had been found on the side of the freeway strangled and also had some foreign object shoved up his rectum which was the mo of pretty much everybody that was from Randy Kraft? That was like seems the like MO. some anger thing. towards homosexuality exactly. as a yeah, whole exactly. as well. Totally. Yeah. Um, and so the very first entry on the scorecard said stable, and the name of the bar was the Stables, and so they realized it was probably connected. And all these bodies that had been turning up by marine bases or on Southern California freeways were mm-hmm. all turning up strangled, had something shoved in the rectum, and in some cases. Um, eyelids were cut off or Aye. genitalia was cut off wow. and they always had really high levels of alcohol and Valium or sometimes other drugs. So they believe that he was sedating them first mm. and saying, get in my car, hitchhiker. Like we're going to party tonight. And then once they were sedated, he would torture and. Well, I'm sure wow. he was able to get away with uh, a lot of this in the seventies too, because of society's uh, feelings towards homosexual men. Right. Um, yeah, it was their lifestyle that caused this. It like was this. their it's lifestyle like that caused it, but it. also, you know, in in like your case with the what what was his nickname? The smiley, happy smiley face guy, killer. happy face killer, <laughs> smiley guy, smiley the guy. happy face killer. You know, and the Green River Killer, and all these killers that kill like prostitutes and yeah, and stuff. Oh, absolutely. no one's looking for them. And in the seventies in Southern California, when a gay man disappeared, unfortunately, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like no one's looking. For no them. one was looking. Yeah. That's yeah, exactly very right. Yeah. yeah, very true. Sad. Um, they also found on top of his scorecard that he had um, all these photos either in his car. Once they searched his apartment, they found a ton more in his apartment. They were photos of all of the victims before they were killed in their slumped over sedated position. Oh, he God. took a picture of almost every single person. Wow. I think maybe a couple were missing, but they'd be either slumped over in his couch. So occasionally he took people back to his apartment or slumped over in the front seat of his car. So he took photos of each victim to remember them and then would record where it happened and what went on on the scorecard. So he was very organized and kept a memory of every single person. So even if he happened upon the person, he still wanted to remember every detail about it. And it's very sick and very upsetting. Um, So... The scorecard revealed that he had possibly murdered up to 67 men. Oh, my God. Over that decade, over a decade. Um, But he was only able to be charged with 16 because of substantial evidence. There just wasn't enough. And some of the bodies were so decayed that they found on the side of the freeway that they'd say this could have been him, but... I'm not, we're not positive and we don't have enough to pin this on him. But 16, they were able to target to him due to certain fibers found in his apartment also being on the clothes or certain DNA. But um, the FBI was after whoever was throwing these bodies onto the side of the road forever. But Randy got lucky because the freeway killer, who I believe his name was William, William Bonin or something, he was happening over the same time. The overlap. The overlap. And so his... Their MOs were a little different. William didn't have as gruesome of deaths. He just strangled them and put them on the side of the road. It looks were they like men as well? their bodies 
Yes, they were yeah. men as well. He would just kind of set their bodies on the side of the road, whereas Randy Kraft's victims were thrown out of the car at high speeds. Mm-hmm. And they were able to tell this doing the autopsies just because of all the damage and broken bones and scabbing from skidding across the street. So he was so much more gruesome and he cut off, you know, body parts and did some dismembering wow. and mutilating. So his MO was different. The FBI was so confused, but they found the freeway killer and convicted him. So they were like, oh, we got our guy. And then more murders started happening. He was able to continue his spree. He was able to get away with it for so long until he was, thank goodness, caught in 1983. So every single victim was strangled. They had the strange objects shoved up the rectum. Um, were they, do you know were they all sexually assaulted? I assume they were. Yes. Okay. They all well the one the bodies that they could tell. That like I said, could, some yeah, bodies were so hard. destroyed. But yes, sexually assaulted, strangled. A lot of them were burned badly with the cigarette lighter from Randy's car. Like mm. he had a sick and twisted mind about these things. And the, the ages ranged from teens to men say, in their thirties. Yeah. Yeah. So he. Yeah, it just had to be men, mostly homosexual or else in the military. That was that was just his thing. So almost everybody was found in Southern California, as I said, along freeways. But some murders also happened in Michigan and Oregon that were also linked to Kraft due to the objects found in the rectum Mm -hmm. and um, evidence of being strangled. And Kraft was known to travel to Michigan and Oregon for work because he for a time worked as a forklift driver and was sent to random places. So it all matched his time being there and his exact MO. And so it's he like was charged with bandits. more. Yes. Just Leaving like the calling the wet card. Bandits. So you know all right. the houses that they robbed. You know everywhere they hit. Only he's way more horrifying Except than the wet the bandits. Worst. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So he his trial finally began in... Um, in 1988 it took 13 months and he was finally sentenced to death in 1989 and still sits on death row to this day oh he's still alive still alive waiting to be executed um yeah because he came to the trial and said i'm not guilty of this and then i guess they had like a thousand people come forward yeah like like so yeah people coming forward from all over from michigan from oregon from all over california saying i saw him leave with this guy or like i saw this thing like he there were just stories they were were connected to to him him. everywhere yeah yeah so again his scorecard makes it look like there were a ton more you lost randy um, I wonder if he was ever interviewed by what are their names from Mindhunter? Oh yeah, that was around. I mean that. Oh yeah, they, they were, were they were. I, he could have been the seventies, not so much because they weren't uh, they weren't fully functioning yet. But yeah. in the eighties, when he was con- you know when he was convicted, He'd I already wonder. been sitting in jail mm-hmm. until eighty eight, and I that mean, would now be an interesting is. interview. I have to look that I up because I would love to see what they were able to get out of right. this guy because his motives seem all over the place. Yeah. And not really, you know, it would make sense if he was like pissed off and would start drunken fights with these guys right. or like yeah. pissed off and like, but you know, he went to such great lengths to torture, torture them. That's yeah. what I don't gay understand men as a gay man. For why? For right. what reason? It doesn't. And he dated to... men through this time. Yeah, that's uh, while it was ask. leading like, to him was he in any relationships or what he was, was in two serious life? relationships. And I think I mentioned it earlier. Those men have been interviewed and said he was a great yep. lover to me he was That's never violent so, interesting. so this was just this strange Jeez. thing that he did yeah. which i mean it did attach to alcohol it was always when he was out at the gay bars or drunk driving by marine bases or it was whatever it was mm-hmm. it, alcohol was always involved so i think he did get drunk and crazy but i just don't know where it all stems from besides yeah. the bad relationship with his dad and the air force yes those are terrible things that happen to you but it doesn't feel like enough no usually yeah that would make sense if it was like well you know he was sexually abused as a child and he got smashed in the head when he was eight and then his father left him like if there was more to it but that just seems like everyday like horrible shit that a lot of people go through right yeah it seems like there would be one other thing yeah yeah it's unfortunate that a lot of the gay community has to deal with that Mm -hmm. you know on a regular basis they don't become murderers right i mean that's just like the thing with the that everyone's talking about right now how like bullies become school shooters and it's like well then why don't we see gay transgendered 
you know, why don't we see yeah. even like p- kids of color? Like, why don't we see them shooting up schools? Right. Yeah. If it's bullying, if like it's there's just because of bullying. Else. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Something else is going on. Man, yep. one so more video games. weird note is I know parents always say yeah, that. I, people from my hometown oh, always, God, yeah. all the Midwesterners post articles like, it's these damn video games. Like, yeah. Sit down, surely. Yeah, like at their generation, movies. it was the music. Mm-hmm. Like every generation has their, no, we need to blame it on something else. Yep. Yeah, anything but the guns. Yeah, yep. exactly. Anything but the easily accessible mm-hmm. automatic weapons yeah. <laughs> that they shouldn't yeah. be in the hands of teenagers. <laughs> Anyways, Um, one last weird thing is with these photos. So these were photos that had clearly been developed. They're not just little Polaroids like they were developed photos. Oh, yeah. And there was no trace to any shops, any pharmacies, any place that would do photo development. There was no trace that could have shown where he developed the photos. They were researching this forever and they couldn't find where he developed these. He didn't have a dark room or any photography experience. So some investigators believe that Kraft did not always act alone. And they have not been able to prove who helped him. They interviewed the lovers and the former roommate, as I said, who claimed they had nothing to do with it. And there's not evidence against them to question them further really or yeah he was never seen to the at a bar with another person right taking these men home totally Interesting. but some of the bodies of these men that were found were also like huge big men and so that was another thing they said was how was he able to subdue some of these men mm-hmm. i mean yes there was yes, drugs and alcohol them. involved but mm-hmm. they there's just some theories that suggest he could have had a partner maybe for not all the murders but for some so i thought that was a, i wonder if he ever suggested note. that in any of his you know i know Need to, we need to get into some interviews mm. with this guy. Yeah, I need to yeah. look this guy up now that I didn't know about him. Now that is he's he in prison. still in Southern California prison? Where is he? Oh, shoot. That is a yeah. He probably You had is, one right? job. I know. You didn't have it in my notes, job. but I still Your have. only job was to tell me where my this guy is. My guy's in Oregon. I'm sure he is in Southern California. I would but say I'll he check. was convicted here. Right. They can move him. My computer's going yeah. real slow. Yeah. My guy, I think he stayed in Riverside Prison for a little bit, then moved back to Oregon. Huh. San Quentin pr- State Prison. Oh, San shit. Quentin. Mm-hmm. And he still denies guilt to this day. Really? Wait, mm-hmm. really? Yeah. It says he's still there and to this day says, I didn't do it and I've like I've been framed, but whatever. Wow. Oh, Jesus. He's a That's nut. That's interesting. A nut and a half. I mean, the thing is, is like, what's the scorecard, dude? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did someone just plant that in your trunk with right. the body? And all the photos and all of the mountains of evidence. Yeah. But he Jeez. still says that he didn't. Oh, man. Okay. So there's some issues there. Yeah, a little bit. What I That's crazy. <laughs> I can't. He's quite an obsessive man. What I'm going to talk about today, one question that we've asked on the podcast before and never really given a straightforward answer to Um, why are people so obsessed with serial killers? Mm -hmm. So I did some pretty extensive Googling and (laughs) stumbled upon quite a few scientific and behavioral studies that have yielded some pretty interesting results on to answer that question because every time we've kind of addressed it, it's always been like, because it's it's scary and interesting. We love them nicknames. Yeah. Yeah. So some of my favorite findings and theories were actually from professors and scientists in the UK, mm-hmm. surprisingly. Interesting. Um, even though, well, I would say the United States has the most serial killers, but I think that I think that it has to do with a population thing and not necessarily yeah. a country of origin thing. Yeah. I think that it's just like, there's more people to kill here. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Than a lot of other places. So... um Elizabeth Yardley, who's a criminologist from Birmingham City University. Dean Burnett, who's a neuroscientist and lecturer in psychiatry at Cardiff University in Wales. And Professor Alexandra Warwick, who is an expert in Jack the Ripper at the University Mm -hmm. of Westminster. So That's pretty awesome. Yeah, no kidding. What? What am I doing with my yeah. life? I know. You could be an expert in Jack the Ripper. <laughs> yes, please sign, yes, me up. sign me up. Who pays for that? Um, I'll start with Elizabeth Yardley, who she compared the intrigue of serial killers with a car accident that you couldn't look away from or like footage of disasters. I that would you agree can't with that. Stop yeah. watching. Yep. 
It's the same psychology. People, she said, people like a little madness in their lives. It's an obsession with mortality, like your own mortality, mortality as a whole. Yeah. Um, she said, serial killers are for adults what monster films were for children. Okay. So when you're a child and you're scared of monsters, monsters under the bed, Godzilla, E.T., if you're yeah. me and Lauren. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you're scared of E.T.? I can't Very. talk about it. We can't talk about it. E.T. <laughs> scared upset. the fucking crap out of me yeah. when I was little. He's Who a scary makes those man. Sounds? I don't understand why he's cute. Who can buzz around, lift their neck up to the ceiling, and I just... <laughs> Ouch. 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 Elliot. <laughs> I'm doing was, some great impressions you're lately. You're doing really good impressions. What was my it. one last week that you Leah moaning commented myrtle. on? Oh yeah, my oh, moaning yes. myrtle. I got a nice compliment. Moaning myrtle. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually, you grow up and you learn that monsters aren't real and that ET is supposed to be cute, and you can relax until you find out that oh shit, monsters are real and they're way scarier because they're your neighbor or yep. your the gas station attendant or like whoever else and they do really horrifying things instead of just hide under your bed and go ooga booga. Yep. So it gives you that same rush as horror movies did when you were little or you know like still to this day for most people when they watch horror movies or or like thrillers. It's scary fun. Something that creates fear in you but that you can observe from a safe distance. Right. And really the scariest part about it is that serial murderers are chameleons and almost every single one of them has five to 20 plus people who are part of their lives that said I never suspected a thing I couldn't believe it when they said uh, you know occasionally they'll be like I mean there was this one time where he like breathed weird but most for the most part no one had any suspicions yeah and that's yeah. what's the scariest part they could be your neighbor your coworker, Ugh. and you have a no family idea. member a family member that happens it's awful. I can imagine yeah and this is actually uh, the, uh, something that has a name in the academic community. It's called wound culture. Wound Human culture. beings are drawn to the trauma and suffering of other people, like the car crash, the plane Ugh. crash, or how many times did you see the Twin Towers go down and people yeah. jumping from the buildings? How many times have right. we seen that footage? It's because there's something about it that we can't look away from. We can't right. stop. Yeah obsessing over yeah, i'm so guilty of that mm-hmm. which it sounds sick and yeah. twisted but and there's a lot of yeah. human suffering around a serial murderer so oh, yeah that's wound culture let's see and the, the template for this pastime of like serial killer consumption was jack the ripper so the east end murders had all of the elements of contemporary serial killer fascination like this contemporary um silence of the lambs Mm -hmm. etc etc that that sort of like fictional right um character of the serial killer um huge press coverage uh which i didn't know this was actually fueled by campaigners who wanted to raise awareness of poverty in london's east end when this was happening like that's why there was so much press it wasn't because this of the murders it was these campaigners trying to get attention to like poverty which i thought was really interesting Interesting. but then it became an obsession with the murderer and not so much the victims right which is where it all started like the victims kind of got like i can't name a single victim of jack the ripper i know yeah because all you talk about is jack the ripper right eight five there's not not that many huge number no but we don't even know their name i don't know their name Guys, I said that earlier. Learn the victims' names. Learn the victims. They're important. Oh, that's true. Um, you did say that mm-hmm. earlier. I mean, think I'm of like guilty. school shootings and stuff. I mean, obviously oh, there's absolutely. more victims, but like I can't name them. I People can name, name the shooter. You know, the shooter mm-hmm. of the crime yep. because that's the scary part. Yep. Yeah. So Jack the Ripper, huge press coverage, the gruesome details in the press, a speculation from the community and beyond, a focus on the murderer rather than the victims, a nickname for the killer, Jack the Ripper coming from the signature on the letter sent to the news, and the famous dynamic between a mysterious, clever, elusive murderer toying with the public and the police, which is like the modern formula mm-hmm. for serial killers today. Oh, yes. Which brings us to Alexandra Warwick, who had some super interesting things to say about the obsessions with real life serial killers in juxtaposition to serial killers in pop culture. 
she looked at Jack the Ripper and the fictional story of clever killer versus the police, good versus evil. And she was saying that serial killers in fiction are immensely more ornate, planned and organized. They have thematic patterns based on things like the Book of Revelations, the seven deadly sins, stuff like that. And it's never really like that in real life. And this mythology has clouded reality. Real serial killers are far less intriguing, but we create these fantastical stories about them in our heads when we read about their heinous crimes. And in reality, they still went to work every day. They showered every night. They had boring relationships. They watched TV with their family. You know what I mean? Like we read about these heinous crimes and we have this like Dexter-like yeah story that we form in our own mind or like this like we imagine the the smiley what's his name happy face happy face killer (laughs) we imagine him smiley face the happy face killer like sitting in a basement with like yeah creepy basement like writing these letters in blood when really it was like a dad who sat down at his desk and wrote this we letter, create like, those images yeah. to be he had like a normal movies. job he was a truck driver and he like had a provided job. for his he had family to like in. he had to yeah. go to the bank after work on fridays yeah. like boring so she says if you look at them from an academic point of view they're actually very dull individuals who are nothing like the movie figures that are based on them but my all-time favorite studies on fascinations with serial killers, however, came from Dean Burnett, the neuroscientist from Cardiff University. He has two major theories, and I love both of them. One is that our brain is what he calls a paranoid organ. That is, it's always trying to minimize perceived threats. Always. Curiosity is simply our brain trying to remove uncertainty so that when we are exposed to people who flaunt society's norms or like serial killers do, we want or even need to know more about it because knowing what happens to humans when they are at their most damaged is a survival trait. Mm. So it's absorbing knowledge to ease our paranoia and prepare our body and mind for dangerous situations. Because if you think about it, if you walked into a room and someone was being dismembered in there, you wouldn't just stand there and watch like fascinated. You would run screaming. You call the police. You'd throw up for like hours and hours. because It's right in front of you. It's real. You can hear it, see it, smell it. Of course. Yeah. But to be able to, again, the car crash thing, to be able to like step back, watch from a safe distance, mm-hmm. you can still absorb all the knowledge that you need to about the situation, but there you are not actually in any danger, right? Yeah. So it's they a survival say, technique. They say that's why you have those dreams where your car, like you can't turn or you uh, can't punch can't or run. anything. Yeah. Your mind is preparing for you. If that is to happen in real life, it mm-hmm. wouldn't be a new thought that's entered it. And it would be able to survive or handle that. Interesting. Oh, so wow. I say that's why you have those dreams. That's fascinating. Wow. Yeah, so it fun- kind of fits that same theory. Those yeah, dreams definitely. are so frustrating. Oh, they're when so you frustrating. Can't scream or run. Yeah, and, you're and it's so not even slow. some. Yeah, it's always something is after you. You have to get somewhere. Yeah, and you and can't you're just like get. Bleh. You're totally yeah. trapped, and your voice is gone. It's. infuriating you know what's which one i have that's like kind of in the same vein but it's it's so fucking frustrating (laughs) i'm like maybe i'm having an argument with joe or i'm having an argument with a friend and i need to text and i can't text oh absolutely i I have that texting the wrong thing my fingers don't work and my phone's like spazzing out yeah i'm like dialing nine one one Oh, oh, shit. So, like, I'm it. trying to, like, prevent get something help. horrible from happening or get help. And I'm trying to, like, hit 911, but it'll go, like, 991. Yeah. Or it'll be, and like, like, 9. Delete, delete, yeah. No, yeah. Let and it's me this, dial. And it's this frustrating thing that um, I have so many dreams where I call 911. Oh, God. It's weird. <laughs> and you probably so wake up and you're last like, night, why I had was a dream I dialing 911? I, I had a dream last night that I called the cops. Oh, my God. Do you remember why? Yeah, there was uh, a giant fight or something outside, and then uh, a girl was being assaulted, and Oof. I wanted so badly to call 911, but I couldn't you do it. You couldn't. This happened last night. Dear yeah. God. That's yeah. so frustrating. It is. <laughs> yeah. That just not makes for me. me angry. Yeah. I want to help her. 
He also says, and this is also an explanation for loving horror movies, which we've tried to explain explain before, nope. that learning about serial murderers allows us to get a reward from our mesolimbic pathway. It causes the re- release of cortisol, which is a precursor to adrenaline, into the body, which stimulates us more than anything nice would, like a video of cats or a picture of like a baby mm. elephant hugging a giraffe or like sure. whatever, whatever. He says, and I quote, if you are really tense and feel threatened and then you stop feeling threatened, the brain recognizes that and says, well, you were scared a minute ago and now you're not. So whatever you did was good. So here, have some pleasure juice. Like here, here you go. Here's some like, here's some good, good stuff going into your body. So endorphins and stuff are released by having that moment of fear and then, and then that fear dissipates. So, like a yeah. jump scare in a movie. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting it's the same that when it you're doesn't reading... do that for Alex Ogle. He's just scared and scared some more. Yeah, it's scared some more and <laughs> I feeling get tricked bad. every time. I'm always like, no, I'm not going to go watch a scary movie, but I always do. Yeah, by you do. Lauren. <laughs> he I always, always do, does. and you never enjoy it. Do you enjoy, I enjoy them? it? Yeah. Oh, sometimes. I enjoy you just it. get he, very scared. But as soon as I'm he like, loved, bye, guys, this is great. Door closes. They're fucking after me. Like <laughs> yeah. my mind immediately I goes had so to much like, fun. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you don't sleep for a week. And then I, I can't sleep for a week. One of my favorite nights was when we watched It Follows because that's George a great movie. Was so Love scared. It yeah, follows. it's Love wonderful. Great movie. But you were so scared to watch it, and then afterwards you did all this research on the movie, and he oh, comes back and yeah, is like, yeah, yeah, "Let's yeah. have a two-hour discussion on this yeah. movie." And again, I was like, look at you. Again, still playing Pokemon Go. Sure, I have an sure. obsessive <laughs> problem for sure. <laughs> So like I'm not obsession. <laughs> We've gotten better. So yeah, if you game. get me into something, I'm definitely coming out of it with as much knowledge as I can. For sure. And that movie rocks. It that does. movie's awesome. Uh speaking of suggestions, yeah. Watch it follows. Yeah. So that's Netflix. how we get hooked on scares and thrills like horror movies, disturbing documentaries, even haunted houses and roller coasters. It's that release that of the like endorphins. What? I don't what? like haunted houses. Oh, I, I don't either. Coasters. Okay, I, don't like I was love roller coasters. I don't like people coming jam. after me. I don't like getting popped out at, at haunted houses. Again, because it breaks that barrier of me feeling safe. When I'm watching oh. something on a TV or when I'm listening to my 8 million true crime podcasts, mm-hmm. I'm separated. Yeah, you're able but to when separate yourself. a person is jumping out at me, whether I can tell myself they're an actor or not, still so uncomfortable yeah. interesting that makes sense so now i know how to get you back oh sweet yeah <laughs> taking her to a haunted house so when it comes down to it too i think one of the things that draws people to obsess over serial killers comes down to um like an internal fear so mm-hmm. being interested in why other people do things always uh is always being interested in what we are like ourselves so reading these horrible things and simultaneously consciously thinking how could anyone do this and then subconsciously fearing am i capable of doing something like this i do that all the time i'm listening again to a podcast like i listen to sword and scale as i am their number one fan apparently on the way over here But this like plays into everything you're saying. It was a horrible, horrible story. And this poor girl was stalked and murdered by someone who used to care for her. It was awful. But it made my drive so wonderful because I was fascinated on hanging Mm -hmm. on every word and also sitting there saying, do I know anyone who could do this? Could I ever do this? Have I ever like had any of these personality traits? Like I went through all of the emotions in my little hour and 15 minute drive but in the end, I came out of it so happy that I listened to that episode. It's like a weird love and obsession. It's it is an obsession, and and I think that it's yeah, it's all three. It's you're you're kind of listening for the warning signs for yourself, for like the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're ever in that position, what can you do? Yep. And you're also thinking like, can I? Am I? capable of doing something like this yep. is my husband capable mm-hmm. of doing something like oh, this yeah. and Sleep then also getting open. those apparently getting those endorphins that you get from fear which right. is really it's fascinating so and now we have an answer to mm-hmm. why we like horror movies I so know. much well, thank goodness i i read an interesting study what are you guys more afraid of uh serial killers or ghosts Serial killers. killers. Yeah, with girls, it's always serial killers. With guys, for the most part, it's always ghosts. (laughs) 
because we have this weird mindset that I could stop a guy with a knife that's coming after me, uh-huh. but a sure. ghost, there's nothing I could physically do because it's this supernatural being. Right. Like, so like serial killers don't scare me. Like, I'll watch a movie with like a serial killer and I'll be like, come at me, bro. You're like crazy. I have that weird mental. <laughs> yeah. I am the most mental, unfit like... guy. Like there's <laughs> no way. That I could defend myself physically, but my mind will tell me that it does. Yeah. Whereas a ghost, oh Lord, Jesus, take yeah, the wheel. Yeah, what do you do about like, that? Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I can't do anything. So me. I'm hands down more afraid. So don't invite me to like resurrection freaking movies or anything weird like that. Resurrection? Like Were you there like the night we watched the Conjuring? Like Passion and, of the Christ? I I'm oh, I'm, I'm like, all for that. That's scary though. <laughs> it is kind of scary. Yeah. Were you there when we watched the Conjuring. And no, of course not. Okay, yeah, I was like, no, I feel like he doesn't. Not. Whenever no. it's demons and ghosts, he doesn't come. Yeah, he yeah, comes people for the coming murder. back from the dead and stuff like okay, that. Okay. Anything with spirits and stuff, it it gets me. That's interesting. But that yeah, it's a normal thing. I'm gonna that, start like, asking girls. like every guy. Same. Yeah. Now yeah, that you said like, that, what now I'm more afraid. Of. Fascinated. Yeah, give it a try. Oh, uh, I it could be wrong, but that's we'll ask everyone at the party on Yes, we will. All of our keep it weird guests. That's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Before we do all of our thank yous, do we have any like closing thoughts? Aside from like obsession. 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 <laughs> <laughs> nope. Uh, great. great. Um, perfect. No, I with everything that needs to be said has been said about yeah, these. Yeah, we, we said a whole lot. Obsession runs deep and yeah. it can be. And really, crazy. you can you can point to any serial killer any mass murderer and talk about their obsession they yeah. all have some sort of obsession something. some sort of compulsion yep, yep. Uh, maybe not necessarily ocd levels mm. of obsession and compulsion but there is something There's something that there is obsessive about them right uh, but these you guys did good today those are both really good. good examples Th- thank you well because you Guys. gave us the research that backed things like yeah i feel no, like you I had all like because i remember you had all the science thinking about doing this episode and doing like obsession and being like well who would i do if i was do if i was doing the research on the serial killers right. with the obsessions because it's just i mean there's hundreds that there's you can choose from. but, but I think there's these ones are like who perfect. have like the weird weird like i that's yes. again like i think these were two prime examples of like i have to write to the medium put smiley faces on things or yeah, i'm the, gonna keep yeah. an organized three well, ring binder and, of and my these crime. were yeah. really interesting obsessions because you could have easily gone with i mean when i was thinking about doing a serial killer i was gonna go with you know ed gein which is yeah. a really easy obvious choice these too, obsessions are yeah these yeah we talk about them so much <laughs> but these obsessions him. are oh, interesting <laughs> because they're not really the the obsessions in these stories weren't with the victims they were with mm-hmm. Other oh, absolutely. outside forces, which it is was all really their, cool. it was their own things. It was yeah. totally about control and then yeah. being in power mm-hmm. and that military was their police yeah. officers. Like their right. obsessions were kind of a little bit more external, and they mm-hmm. were taking it out with their victims. So that was right. really interesting. Yeah. So before we go, I wanted to take some time to thank a couple people. First of all, thank you for listening, whoever you are. You rule. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much to Andrew Miller, who we haven't thanked for a while, and it's a damn travesty andrew has been a constant fan of the show and just recently got me a freaking ghost box for my birthday and i can't wait to try it out a ghost box we'll talk about it we'll talk about it if you if listeners if you want to know what a ghost box is go back to episode 12 i think electronic map phenomena box of ghosts (laughs) a whole box box of them you open Um, the lid they fly out we can't wait to take that for a spin. Thank you so much to Amy Hanselman for always posting on social media that she's listening to the current episode and texting me her feedback. Um, you are the best. I love you so much, and I can't wait for you to come on the show. Julia Furman, who I know is my sister, but I want to thank her because she literally texts me, I think, every other day with wonderful stories and feedback for the episodes and also sends creepy videos of things oh, no. flying around her house. Oh, we have to post what? that, So by the I way. know. Yeah. yeah. Nothing was yes. flying, but it's a creepy video. It's um, creepy. So thank you so much to her. Thank you to Amanda Hoban, my old roommate. She's who, wonderful. She's wonderful. Not only does she write me feedback and says wonderful things, but she also always posts about us on her mm-hmm. social media 
media in her Insta stories and sometimes just in her regular feed will post pictures and say, please listen. These guys are great. And also to Lacey, who wrote in a ghost story that we played on Listener Ghost Stories. She sent in, I mean, not only did she send in so many wonderful stories, but she also shouts out to us so frequently on social media. And her last one in her Insta story even said, like, these guys don't get the attention they deserve. I can't believe you're not listening to them. It was the sweetest. So thank you. Um, Yes. Thank you to Lacey, Julia and Amanda. Mm -hmm. And Amy and Andrew. And thank you, George, for coming on the show once again. Thank you for having me. For another killer episode. Do you like that? Did you like that? That That was was a good one. How long were you planning that that one? Um, I wrote it down (laughs) three days ago. So three days. (laughs) 72 hours at least. A minute. Do you have anything you want to plug? No, no, and you don't have you. You're like mystery man on social media too. I remember he from is. your I last post a lot. Yeah, I don't. Well, post in from a lot. your last episode, it was like, do you want to post your Instagram? And you were like, absolutely not. Yeah, it's like for not. sure. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Not don't. <laughs> Won't find Don't me. follow me. We can't me. talk about serial killers and stalkers. And like, I know. Find me. Here no. is my information. Every time alone. we talk about like government conspiracies or oh, yeah. secret societies or cults, yeah, like for a all... week, I'm literally I'm looking terrified. over every car that follows yes. me yes. for less. I look in my back seat like, before well, every drive to make sure no one's you crouching look? down. I don't look. Oh, I have I'm to see ignorance is bliss. <laughs> Ignorance if they bliss. get if me, I'm gonna die. They, yeah, exactly. I don't want to know about it before. I don't want to see them. Yeah. <laughs> Let them kill me, I guess. <laughs> George is not visible on social media, but he supports us very well. Absolutely. You're another yes. good person to thank because you always not support on us. purpose. Oh, all because I want to get those endorphins kind of pumping in my brain. So I'm like, all right, let me watch this ghost story. <laughs> let me listen to this. And pod. I regret it every time. <laughs> regret. Well, we love having you on the show. You're Thanks the best. Thanks for having me. You were one of our first guests, and yeah, then we the will day. continue having yeah. you on the show because you are a delight. I'm ready. I'm excited. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Keep It Weird Cast and our Facebook page, Keep It Weird. Send us all your feedback and questions to keepitweirder at gmail.com. Don't forget the ER at the end of that. Head over to iTunes and rate us five stars. Pretty, pretty, please. Check out our YouTube channel and Patreon page while you're at it. And George, what is our sign off this week? Obsession. Obsession. <gasps> Actually, that's perfect. Well, I was I thought we were going to be like, oh, that's a good one. Here we go. One, two, three. Have we one, two, yeah, three right. all episode? No, what? you're right. Obsession. Oh, come on. Come on. We can't even get it at the end. I was waiting for it. I thought you were going to go. <gasps> one more time. Who's starting? No, it has to be a surprise. It just has to go. Okay. Right. Do 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 da 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 Do you have we're not like, sir? Yeah, we're not like straight edge or anything, but it was kind of like that's not what we're doing here. Right. Yeah. We're just friends with a keg. I know. We just want to have friends. some beer. Apparently, with I'm, Sein- I'm Jerry Seinfeld. We're friends. <laughs> we we're friends a with a keg. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Oh goodness. Okay.